everyone. Welcome to episode 40 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. And we're happy to be back with you after a um, long holiday-induced hiatus. Um, so I think today uh, we just need to dive right in, although it's been like three weeks since we recorded. Um, the big topic in the news remains men behaving badly, so this you may see the name of this pod is um, <laughs> our evergreen topic. Uh, so I think we were realizing that before we recorded uh, our last episode, the Louis C.K. situation had not come to the forefront. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, in fairness, I guess there had always been these rumors about him. Sure, And yeah. it wasn't until was it the New Yorker article or New York Times article was going to come out about him that he... New York Times. New York Times. Yeah. That he essentially, quote-unquote, got ahead of it and came out and... Canceled his movie premiere, mm -hmm. and then he gave an apology, and I'm using air quotes because he did not actually use the words, I'm sorry, oh. at all. Um, it's been several weeks since I've read his quote-unquote apology, but I thought that his He, he admitted that he did it, which yeah. was a step in the right direction since a lot of other um, folks who had been called out for this behavior previously either said it was lies or said, well, that's not how I remember it. Um, I think that was Kevin Spacey's line. Or chose to come out as a gay man. Right. Like, I've, I don't remember sexually assaulting a 14-year-old when I was an adult, but whatever. Um, but Louis C.K., his, his apology, non-apology, he did say that, you know, the stories that these women told... Um, were accurate, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. But then he kind of made it sound like he turned around on himself and was just like, I, you know, I asked them if it was okay for me to do this and then just thought it was fine. He did go and talk about how his, um, essentially his position of power made any sort of consent mm -hmm. that they would have given sort of null and void. <laughs> like, just like tearing the tag off your mattress or whatever. Right, right? which is good for him to, to realize, mm. although I'm not sure he'll be working again anytime soon. Which... No. Although, you know, it's hard because you and I are both fans of Louis C.K. prior to this and, yeah. and of his comedy and, and of his work in general. But a lot of, I mean, aside from, you know, having his film being premiered, didn't he fund a lot of his he funds a lot of his own projects right and i do think so uh, he is the i believe he's an executive producer on a tv show called better things starring pamela adlon which is on fx it's really really good um she is one of his like she does a ton of work with him mm -hmm. um and she i think came out and was basically like i can't believe my friend did this i'm really wrestling with that but i think he has subsequently been um relieved of his duties as executive producer on that show um so yeah i think to your point he will probably continue funding his own projects if he if he can yes or if he goes back out into the spotlight i guess right um but he may not be finding uh work outside of of things he does for himself mm -hmm. So, in addition to Louis C.K., since the last time you and I got together, uh, Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose, uh, Garrison Keillor, and you mentioned... John uh, Hockenberry, who is a, for NPR nerds, is, um, he's kind of a well-known figure in public radio. Also, we forgot about Al Franken. Oh, and Al Franken, <laughs> yes. Um, so we've moved, sort of moved on from entertainers to politicians and journalists. Mm -hmm. uh, most recently... So I think the Matt Lauer, Garrison Keillor, John Hockenberry stories all came out this week. Mm -hmm. um, Char was Charlie Rose fired before Thanksgiving? 
I want to say yes, just because the Matt Lauer stuff was pretty much right after yeah. Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, there's now um, CBS and NBC need new morning hosts. <laughs> um, Prairie, I mean, Garrison Keillor had already left a Prairie Home Companion, but he was still doing. He was still doing shows. work for Minnesota Public yeah. Radio, and that's who he got fired from. And he uh, came out pretty. Sh- strongly afterwards was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I just touched a woman's back, which like, don't touch people you work with. I don't know how many times, why is this so hard to understand? Um, keep your pants on at work. Another (laughs) really easy rule to follow. Speaking of which, um, representative John Conyers from Detroit has gotten a lot of publicity recently for, um, settlements that he allegedly reached with women who worked with him, who alleged sexual harassment and his former chief of staff, maybe, gave this, like, completely bonkers interview where he's like, he uses his office like his closet. People walk in on him with no pants on all the time. Like, it's no big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> well, so that's the other thing. It's like, if you're going to use your office to, like, change, because there are times when I'm in my office and I need to change, the doors close, the blinds are drawn, no one can come in until I'm all finished. Like, right. that's just... Who doesn't knock? And if you have a culture of not knocking in the office, Mm -hmm. get a freaking do not disturb sign or something. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not... Also, I feel like this happens one time. You can maybe excuse it. Like, oh, I thought I could get away with, you know, not... Mm -hmm. It didn't occur to me that somebody would just walk into this room. room, After it happens one time, like, do something about it and it won't happen again. I just... (laughs) I just don't under... I don't know. I'm at a loss. Like, who the hell is constantly changing in their office and it's totally normal for the people that work with them just waltz in while you have no pants on? It's... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, And then Matt... I mean, the Matt Lauer story, like, all of these stories are obviously horrible, but there does seem to be kind of a spectrum. Um, Matt Lauer thing is truly horrifying um, that he had a secret button under his desk to lock the door without having to stand up and um, actually lock it. I did read this morning, it was just a headline, so I didn't mm-hmm. read the full article, but I guess in 30 Rock, it was sort of an old-timey feature. Like, I'm thinking Mad Men Day's old-timey feature, but at least that's the headline that I read. And I've read um, some folks trying to explain that it's a security issue that high-profile folks at oh, NBC sort News of like had it. Room I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, does not sound like that's what Matt Lauer was using it for. And I did watch uh, Seth Meyers did like a 10-minute bit on his, one of his shows this week on this. Seth Meyers is a late-night host for NBC. Um, he seemed to reject that concept entirely, saying like, hey, hey handyman, if someone's <laughs> calling you in to put a button under their desk, it's not for a non-creepy reason. Um, yeah, well, there could be completely legitimate reasons for this, yeah. but as soon as you use it in a creepy, you know, right. potentially criminal way, sorry, all bets are off. Um, it does sound, one of the stories that was reported in the um, New York Times, if true, and I know that's like the offensive term to use of the day, but this would be criminal, so I'm treading lightly but if true it sounds like he used that button to lock a woman in his office and then raped her very kobe (laughs) bryant-esque um very very disturbing which is just horrifying um he i guess nbc is now trying to erase all uh record of him Um, being there they've taken down all the pictures of him in the mm -hmm. office they are destroying his office like completely demolishing the thing and re i mean 
instead of building so they can't totally demolish it, but mm-hmm. tearing the whole place out. Um, his wife, who is a former model from the Netherlands, apparently took their two youngest kids and fled the country. Uh, his ex-wife, though, well, his first ex-wife, yes. um, was saying that this is ridiculous. He never would have done this. This is so out of character for him. Um, she hasn't been married to him in like 30 years, though, so I'm not sure she knows what is in his character anymore. Uh, and it sounds like NBC is rejecting any effort by Matt Lauer to get paid yes. any kind of severance. Or whatever's remaining on his contract. contract. Yeah. He made $25 million a year. I know. To host a morning show. Like, we are totally in the wrong line of business. And to be, like, a bad journalist. Yeah. Because now, even, I mean, for anyone who follows politics, you've probably heard about the terrible, or seen, the awful commander-in-chief forum where he, like, wouldn't let Hillary Clinton speak, wouldn't let her finish asking questions, kept trying to cut her off, and then just let Donald Trump run wild. Um, But they've also shown clips of like super creepy interviews he did with female oh, actresses in Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock and then TMZ got some video of him commenting on Meredith Vieira bending over to pick something up and how it was a really great view and she should do that more often which is just who talks like that to their coworkers? I oh, it's like textbook what we discuss in our trainings for like not to harass people i feel like if we use these examples in our trainings people would reject them as being too over the top exactly they would not believe us because they would be like people don't talk like this anymore and you're like no 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 i'm sorry to have to say they really do um so some of the stories that are coming out about matt lauer i mean they could subject him to criminal uh complaints Uh uh if the women who are involved I guess, decide to move forward with them. Um, I believe there are some criminal complaints moving forward against a couple of the other men we had spoken about earlier, oh. Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Um, so this is, remains a developing story. Oh, one name we forgot to add, Russell Simmons. Oh, shit, yeah, and Jeffrey Rush. Oh, yeah. Jeffrey Rush also angrily, he said he was resigning from, I think, like, some position in the Australian Film Academy, yeah. but then he said that the allegations are unfounded and kind of it's a witch hunt, mm-hmm. Which to which I would uh, paraphrase Lindy West in saying, it is a witch hunt, we're the witches, and we're hunting you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so those were the other, yeah, I know, there's just a growing list. Unfortunately, it, this can be our new evergreen segment. Uh, yeah, Russell said, what is... So one what... of the allegations was, I know, I can't remember who the woman was, but essentially, like, he assaulted her while Brett Ratner watched. Oh, right, that's a model. Yeah. I can't remember what her name is, though. Yeah. Sorry. Um, right. And then most recently, uh, screenwriter Jenny Lumet, who... Um, is a little probably more famous for who her relatives are. Um, Lena Horne was her grandmother, and her dad was the pretty famous director, Sidney Lumet. Uh, she wrote a story for HuffPost or BuzzFeed detailing um, an incident with Russell Simmons where he basically confined her in a car, took her back to his apartment, assaulted her, um, and then they continued, I guess, having, in his view, he thought everything was fine. Um, and it was that story that finally compelled him to um, step away from his business interests and work on himself. Uh, the uh, model who was uh, assaulted by Russell Simmons' name is Carrie Clawson Kaligi. Uh, she was a 17-year-old model from a farm town in Nebraska when she met Brett Ratner and Russell Simmons at a casting call. Yikes. 
Yeah, she was 17 years old. Ugh. Yep. Um, yeah, so I'm sure we could spend all day on this, and we will probably have more names for you next week or the next time we uh, talk, but um, we just wanted to bring you up to speed on where we're at. Yeah. Oh, unfortunately. And it's not legal advice, but um, don't take your pants off at work. <laughs> it's just life advice. Yes, life advice. <laughs> um, but speaking of, I guess, kind of more, actually this is all in our wheelhouse, but a little more in our wheelhouse, uh, there was an allegation made against Jameis Winston, who is the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, who's not unfamiliar to having um, sexual assault allegations made against him. That's correct. So this, in this instance... Uh, during a March 2016 Uber ride in Scottsdale, Arizona, it has been alleged that the um, the woman who was driving the Uber, her name, she's only been identified as Kate, she was driving um, Winston and maybe some others. I think there's been some disagreement as to exactly how many people were in the car at the time, whether it was just Winston or Winston and some other people. Um, Winston may have been in the front seat of the car at the time. He told her to drive through a fast food um, establishment, and while they were in line at the fast food, you know, drive through line, he grabbed her crotch, and she was like, "What are you doing?" Um, she reported the incident to Uber shortly thereafter, and um, Uber said that they were going to take steps to uh, essentially ban Winston from Uber, and we don't know if it's just from like Arizona or if it's a national ban. Or what? And according to the um, the email sent from Uber to Kate, they you know instructed her that she should reach out to law enforcement to report the incident. She has also um, she also told friends uh, close in time to the incident of what happened, and um, you know she just said that because he Jameis Winston was a really you know large and imposing guy, she felt really intimidated and. Like, actually, she was, like, paralyzed with, like, fear and anxiety when this happened to her. And the fact that she didn't come out before this is just because of what Burke alluded mm -hmm. to, which is his history of sexual assault. And, um, you know, what fresh hell uh, the woman who he assaulted at Florida State went through when she um, was identified and, and all the death threats she received by, you know, rabid football fans and... Um, calling her a slut and a whore and all of those things, and Kate apparently did not want to go through that. Who would have guessed? Seems seems fair. Uh, um, so the NFL is investigating this um, incident, and um, and according to Jameis Winston, when asked about this, was quoted as saying, "I have no fear at all." Um, I guess the there's a column by Eric Adelson on Yahoo Sports where he talks about kind of comparing this situation to the Ben Roethlisberger incidents of the uh, early part of this decade where he was accused of raping a um, student in a bar in Georgia. In Milledgeville. Milledgeville, <laughs> yes. And um, assaulting a an employee at a hotel in Las Vegas. Um, the idea being that like just because there were there were no criminal charges brought or convictions landed on um, doesn't mean that the NFL won't punish you for your inappropriate behavior. Um, so Jameis maybe should not be as confident as he is projecting at the moment. Yeah, um, well, especially in this day and age where Ezekiel Elliott was not 
faced with yeah. criminal charges, and he faced a six-game suspension, which he is serving now after lots of back and forth in the legal system. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that Jameis should be feeling as confident no. um, about what is happening to him. And maybe Jameis should have learned the first few times he took things that grabbed at things that don't belong to him, uh, that he should stop that. <laughs> um, as part of Ben Roth, I think I forgot this, I may have known it at the time, as part of Ben Roethlisberger's punishment, he had to go through a behavioral evaluation I'm not sure what that means, but he has been, at least publicly, uh, sort of on the straight and narrow since mm-hmm. these incidents happened um, earlier in his career. So uh, I don't know what can be done to help Jameis Winston. Um, the fact that there's kind of contemporaneous corroborating evidence that this incident took place um, beyond the idea that I do think you should give assault victims the benefit of the doubt certainly seems to support this woman's um uh, allegations and uh so i guess we'll we'll see what happens to Jameis. but i would think uh he should start being a little more contrite and not as overly confident as he has been to well, date especially since um you know florida state had to pay almost a million dollars to settle a lawsuit with the woman who he assaulted in college i mean like i understand that people settle things for all sorts of reasons yeah. and probably big bold paragraph about how neither party admits fault and all that stuff but you know it's not like you want to hand out a million dollars for funsies like nothing well especially as a i would think as a publicly funded institution Mm -hmm. they've got to justify that settlement somehow it's not just like it's not like fox news paying out 32 million dollars to one woman who um was allegedly had something happened with Bill O'Reilly that none of the details of that settlement come out, but like I can't imagine what he must have done that cost them $32 million. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you have a slam dunk case, there are lots of reasons to settle lawsuits, um, but one would think, given how high profile this was, if they mm-hmm. really thought that Erica Kinsman's claims were bullshit, they would not have settled this. Um, part of... I- now that I'm revisiting the whole Erica Kinsman issue, I do remember there was part of it where, like, weren't there allegations that the Florida State Police and the Tallahassee Police didn't do a very good job of investigating yes. because it was Jameis Winston? Yes. So, I mean, part of the settlement could have gone to that, but, again, you know, a million dollars for a public university is, mm-hmm. is not an inconsequential amount of money. No, and if anyone is, I mean, interested is maybe not the right word, um, but to the extent you want to learn more about these um, incidents with college athletes, um, the movie The Hunting Ground, I mean, it's awful, but it's really well done, um, and I think it's a valuable educational piece, Mm -hmm. um, because it does, we could spend, we could do an entire episode, probably multiple episodes, debating like how uh, colleges should be addressing sexual assault allegations and like whether you know what types of what level of due process should there be who really is entitled you know who's who should be the focus of the due process um but it's a super hard i think subject to deal with because it seems to me like a lot of people think that colleges should be held to the same standards as um criminal courts and that's just not that's not reality and that's not the standard that we i think should be holding them to like yeah. the no, beyond we, a reasonable doubt versus kind of more likely than not yeah um, well and um just to not 
plug ourselves, but um, we did do a podcast about this with our colleague Allison. We did, yes. Related <laughs> to um, Title IX and investigations of uh, sexual assault on college campuses. Um, and I'll put in our description what episode that was in case you um, want to go back after reading or after viewing The Hunting Ground, then you can go ahead and listen to that too if you'd like. But there are different standards of proof for um, at least for if there's any action that a college or university is going to take against you as a, you know separate and apart from any sort of criminal proceeding and i don't know if we discussed this the last time around and i'm not sure it actually makes a difference but like there are some folks who seem to argue sort of that you have a right to be at your college so you know uh, the idea that you shouldn't be able to just throw somebody out based on Mm -hmm. allegations of wrongdoing that you you should be held to kind of a higher standard of proof because there's some kind of property interest in your spot at that school. I don't know. Um, but I wonder if that's a different standard for a private institution versus a public institution. So if you can say, like, I'm a taxpayer or my family are taxpayers in this state, yeah. I have a right to be here. I mean, nobody has a right to get into college. I'm kind of talking myself out of this well, now. No, but I mean, I do <laughs> think that you do have a point in that, like, because of what we deal with every day in our professional lives yeah. is that there are different standards for publicly held employment. And I could see maybe um, publicly, you know, um, if you are being educated at a public institution, yeah. that there might be some differences as opposed to private ones because um, public universities are not subject to, for example, the National Labor Relations Act. Only right. private ones are. So Hello, Northwestern. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I, I could see that someone might make that argument before you take away um, my my property interest in going to the school that yeah. I am afforded some process that is maybe less arbitrary, if you want to yeah. use that word, than something that would happen at a private school where they'd be like, nope, you're just gone. Yeah, we can just yeah. get rid of you. Yeah. Uh. Um, which kind of leads us into the Rick Pitino thing a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, um, just as a another depressing update, um, Brock Turner, mm-hmm. uh, the Stanford swimmer rapist, yeah. uh, he has petitioned the court in um, Santa Clara County to have his conviction overturned. Yes, he said that it was just a pack of lies or something to that effect yeah. in his old trial. Fuck that guy. I hope he ends up homeless living under a bridge somewhere <laughs> in a box. He's a terrible human being, and I'm sick of seeing his stupid name. But anyway. I don't even know that he deserves a box. No, he should just sleep on the cold concrete in Ohio because he's trash. Um, <laughs> moving on to Rick Pitino. <laughs> yes. So uh, we ta- we've talked about Rick Pitino a lot on this podcast. He is one of our favorites here, um, and I'm using that term very loosely. So he was fired from the University of Louisville for, uh, well, according to him, no reason, because he was never uh, indicted or charged criminally or even named in any of the criminal conspiracy um, counts that the feds have brought against a number of individuals related to sort of recruitment practices at um, universities related to, I think in this instance, really basketball. I don't know that a lot about football has come out um, that in the in the most recent um, charges that have been uh, evoked, but so he was fired. I guess a couple of days after they suspended him 
Um, and he is saying that the University of Louisville's breached their his employment contract because they did not fire him for just cause, which is a feature in his contract. And I would say probably a feature in a lot of contracts for people who work at public schools. Right. Which seems weird to me, though, because... Like, for high-level, I mean, in our our world, like, high-level department heads yeah. or, like, the people who run cities, mm-hmm. they're at-will employees. Mm-hmm. You can fire them whenever. Yes. You, you'll have to pay them. You might have to pay them some money as a severance package. Yeah. That could be built into their contract, but you can just get them the hell out of there mm-hmm. whenever you want to. So, um, it seems, I mean, good on him for negotiating just cause into his contract. Uh, yeah, but he's just, oh, he's just. He's the worst. I mean, <laughs> the list cool. of things that this guy has done while he's been at Louisville. Um, so there's the alleged involvement in the play-to-play scandal with Adidas this year. Mm-hmm. Um, a year or two ago, there was the hiring of sex workers to um, s- service <laughs> recruits. Uh-huh. Then he... Um, I loved what this one article referred to as the most famous 15 seconds in a chain restaurant history. Well, yeah, I love that his, the Yahoo story on this says that he testified to having sex, quote unquote, very briefly. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that makes a difference, Rick Pitino, you've just self-owned, so, yeah. Yeah, so he's had a a history of things. (laughs) go wrong in his program where he has said that he knows nothing about these things aside from the very brief encounter at that right. chain restaurant but he he basically i mean he's like no this is i'm not aware of these things these things are happening without my consent or my knowledge and i'm like dude you... shouldn't he then just be fired for being a fucking awful manager well, like... and i think that's part of what the university of louisville is saying like one you are probably, you know, coach number two in this complaint. You've just not been named. Right. But even if you're not coach number two, all of these things are happening under your watch. You have to exercise some level of supervision yeah. over your program. And so that's their argument. And I hope that it's a winning one because he shouldn't be getting the 30... $38.7 million. Yeah. I, yeah, what a waste of public funds that would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, that that figure was reached by um, calculating that he was owed um, four point three million dollars per year under his contract that ran through twenty twenty six, which is eight and a half years from now. So yeah, and how long has he been at the University of Louisville? It seems like a long like, time. He's been there. It has to be at least since 2012, because I remember when I was working at my old job, I was on a business trip to Phoenix, and that was the year they won the national championship, oh. and I felt sad. <laughs> so, um, and you know, and there's always the idea that he is doing this so that he can reach some sort of settlement with Louisville, and right. he will just slink away with a lot less money than that, but at least with some money. Um, but I mean, the damage to his reputation is done. I don't know that he'll ever. He'll get another job. Although I say, I would have thought his reputation would have been destroyed with all the other scandals he's gotten caught up in during his career. Um, But maybe now people have just hit their limit. There are plenty of good college coaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Rick Pitino, 
I just wish he would just go away. What's crazy is so he blamed the the sex worker scandal, and I hate to put the blame on like the women. It's not they weren't the scandalous part. It's that the Wait. university was funding them. them. Yes. Um, he blamed a graduate assistant. So like. That is quite literally what it sounds like. A grad student <laughs> who is working with the team, oh, it's his fault that this yeah. happened. Well, why aren't you, why isn't somebody supervising him? Yeah. Well, no, exactly. I mean, that's the, that's the part. It's his failure to supervise, which should, I mean, that would be just cause for firing somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was curious. I know there's no progressive discipline necessarily in his contract, but yeah. I'm wondering if they could point to... Well, they haven't ever really disciplined him for the sex worker thing, for his very brief encounter at that chain restaurant, and for all of these other things, right? So, As far as I know, I think the NCAA punished them for the sex worker situation. Oh, okay. I think. Um, or maybe that's still under review. Yeah. I want. I mean, it's. I don't know how they could not have, since it was a. It seemed to be a recruiting violation. Mm-hmm. Um. So maybe that was viewed as sufficient. Yeah, didn't their national championship get vacated? I think we already talked about this in an earlier pod. Sorry, folks. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember, actually, now as I sit here, but that's because, you know, there's just been so much water under that bridge since then. Um, so that is Rick Pitino seeking money um, in terms of, um, you know, stemming from his his failure to supervise at the very least and at the very most actually engaging in a pay-to-play program um, related to, I want to say his name was Brian Bowen. Is that his name? Yes. Okay. The, the non-eligible uh, basketball player who received $100,000 to play there. $10,000? No, it was $100,000. Oh, $100, my eyes are bugging out of yeah. my head because that number is absurd. Oh, I thought uh, your eyes were bugging out because I got it wrong. No. Um, also, just to correct myself, the uh, they won the national championship in 2013. That was vacated as part of their punishment for oh, the, the this sex, sex worker scandal. Um, also, their um, their 2012 appearance in the Final Four was vacated, um, and they had 123 wins vacated. It looks like from December, um, maybe December of 20. 10 to April of 2014. I am sort of curious because even though in in whatever farmer's almanac for yeah. the future of sports, like these wins will not show up and those things will Yeah, it'll be appear. like Michigan in 2013 with an asterisk yeah, next exactly. to it. But everyone who is around now very obviously knows that that's not what happened. You know, because you can't actually erase our memories because it's not right. eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yet. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just, the whole vacating the wins to me doesn't really seem like a very, like a very deterrent-ish No, and especially, so, what was it, the 1988 Summer Olympics where Ben Johnson oh, yeah. was on drugs mm-hmm. and his gold medal got taken away from him mm-hmm. and given to Carl Lewis, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that... 
kind of makes sense because the idea, I guess, would be that but for Ben Johnson being on drugs, Carl yeah. Lewis would have won. But mm-hmm. this particular incident has nothing to do with what was happening on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Yes. I suppose you could make some kind of tangential argument that, like, they wouldn't have gotten these players if they but hadn't for the sex had workers. ladies show up to have sex with them. And then if they didn't have those players on the team, they probably wouldn't have beat Michigan. But it still seems like yeah, I mean, not a way exactly more attenuated. Related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But I guess I don't really... I mean, aside from stripping them of scholarships, but that hurts players now as opposed to the players who are actually, right. you know, engaged in the wrongdoing. So, yeah. I don't have a huge amount of sympathy for the NCAA because I think they're incompetent in well, lots yeah. of ways, but I do think that, like, how you punish programs is a really hard part of their jobs um, to make sure that's fair and equitable. Did you watch the 30 for 30 on the um, SMU football team that got mm-hmm. the death penalty? Death penalty. Great documentary. Yeah. Um, that was, was that gambling? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for those of you who have some time on your hands, <laughs> I think it's probably on on demand somewhere. Yeah. In the it's world. a but goodie. Really good. Um, well, so moving on to uh, our third topic, I guess, um, which is, I guess, people behaving badly, a Huntersville, North Carolina <laughs> man, um, by the name of Jeffords, his last name is Jeffords. I think his first name is Joshua is suing Fletcher Cotts, a Philadelphia Eagles um, player, for seducing his wife. Um, He has filed a lawsuit in North Carolina State Court uh, alleging alienation of affection, which is a tort claim, kind of like criminal conversion, I guess. Yeah. But basically, he is blaming Fletcher Cox for uh, destroying his marriage and... um, and he's seeking. I read conflicting reports between twenty five or fifty thousand dollars in damages, but maybe it's just you have to plead a minimum amount in order to be in in that particular court. Because um, I can't imagine that he actually thinks his marriage is worth fifty thousand dollars. But um, the allegation goes that uh, his wife, uh, Miss Miss the former Mrs. Mrs. Jeffords, yeah. uh, went to Philadelphia on a business trip in. Like February or March of 2017, mm-hmm. fell in love with Fletcher Cox, um, and then they started texting one another back and forth. Uh, Fletcher Cox said that he wanted to impregnate her and that they would have beautiful babies. Um, and she has since moved to Philadelphia to be with him. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll see how this goes. So the damages may be based on Mr. Jeffords' assertion that he's had to treat him, he's had to check himself into a mental health facility yeah. to deal with the substantial emotional distress mm-hmm. that came along with finding out his wife was having an affair with Fletcher Cox. Yes. Um, so maybe it's $50,000 to help cover his medical bills. So, But in- I don't know if that's something you could seek damages for under this particular tort, which also I think is only exists in like southern states now, not uh, to generalize. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know if it's, I think it might actually, Alaska too. I read it was like in a handful of states, yeah. but I can't remember if they were all in the south. But, so North Carolina has a history of alienation of affection in lawsuits. Mm-hmm. And in 2010, a woman won $9 million dollars. Against the alleged mistress of her husband of 33 years. Whoa. A Wake County woman won $30 million in damages in a 2011 case. Um, you got to shoot higher, Mr. Jeffers. <laughs> that's what Jeez. I was thinking. I was like $50,000 or $25,000. And the, I guess the most famous person to actually um, use this claim is a former NASCAR racer, Greg Biffle, um, oh. in a civil action against his ex-wife. Yikes. Yeah. 
So Biffle said that he and his ex-wife enjoyed a loving relationship before the defendant, quote, enticed his wife from him, acquired undue influence over her, and became the direct cause of great marital discord. Yikes. Uh, he and his wife filed for divorce in 2015. But, sure. <laughs> so is saying that, you know, uh, Fletcher Cox basically ruined his life because he thought that they were going to be together forever. I mean, the 50% divorce rate in this country would uh, cut against that <laughs> argument, but sure. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It is straight up crazy. It's pretty pretty nuts. Uh, oh, so uh, Hawaii, North Carolina, Mississippi, New Mexico, South Dakota, and Utah. Okay, so it's really only two <laughs> southern states. Sorry, I shouldn't make terrible assumptions about people from the south. It's my New England coming out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Yikes. Uh, calls to Fletcher Cox's attorneys have not been answered. Um, How do you even... I mean, doesn't the fact that the woman is, like, in Philly with him kind of prove the yeah. claim in some ways? Mm-hmm. And, um, mm. you know, oh, well. and there are screenshots of the text messages between Fletcher Cox and Mrs. the former Mrs. Jeffords, or the soon-to-be former Mrs. Jeffords. Oh, yeah, that's another thing I think we forgot to talk about with the Matt Lauer situation is that the incident that apparently, the incident that got him fired um, included him sending text messages to a woman he uh, allegedly assaulted during the Sochi Olympics and then was, like, following around when they got back to the States. Um, Don't send incriminating, incriminating text messages, you goddamn idiot like what is I, I don't the stupidity of some of these people and i guess maybe it's just assuming they'll never get caught and they'll never be held responsible for this behavior but yeah i don't know it's just seemed it seemed i've read an article about i guess the history of what and, a creep matt lauer's yeah, been <laughs> a little bit that but also like his uh relationship or separate existence from his wife and that is it Roke? Roke, i think yeah so uh, in this article, it basically talked about how every time he was assigned to an Olympics, it's just like all bets were off. Party city, <laughs> yeah. Like he left his ring at home, probably, and was like, "Whatever happens in Sochi or Vancouver or Turin or whatever, like stays there." Yeah, that's pretty horrible. I really hope it doesn't turn out Al Roker has done anything wrong because I love Al Roker. <laughs> it would break my heart. Well, and the Louis C.K. thing was kind of heartbreaking too. Yeah. Apparently, Al Roker is really good friends with Ann Curry. Oh, who, so that poor woman. Um, he was Team Curry then. I think so. Yeah. Who would be Team Matt Lauer? He seems like an asshole. Yeah, I mean, aside from like the whole sexual assault thing. Yeah. He kind of did seem like sort of an arrogant, smug guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> yeah, it's just every day you kind of wait for the other other shoes to drop. Right. Lots of shoes. So many shoes. Um, so those were probably our main stories for today. I think so. So now we have our reality, or well, our three-minute warning, which will include a reality TV stoop. Yeah. Uh, to start uh, with our three-minute warning, I just wanted to uh, make note that it's actually the Toronto Argonauts who won. Oh, okay. They beat the, they stunned the Calgary Stampeders 27-24 to 24 in the 105th Grey Cup. I heard it was a really good game. Yeah, when I watched, the Calgary Stampeders were way ahead, and I didn't think that they were going to be, you know, that they would win. And so they pulled a real Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> you say that as a Patriots fan. <laughs> I mean, as a troubled Patriots fan, but yes. 
Um, but the Argonauts coach is Mark Trestman, the former Chicago Bears coach, the oh. one who wore the um, like the old Ray Ban glasses. He had the, I guess Jim Harbaugh is wearing them now, but it's you know the the tortoise on top of the wire down below. Oh yeah. yes. Ah. <laughs> What are those called? They're not the aviators. They're no. the Wayfarer or something? Yeah. Oh, or no, no. Are the Wayfarers all the plastic ones that are... All oh, yeah. Anyways, so sorry for that rabbit hole. But anyways, we just wanted to congratulate the Toronto Argonauts. Um, Since our three-minute warning is is a tribute to the CFL. That's right. Yes, congratulations, Toronto. Um, just a really quick update on Martin Shkreli. Yes. So the feds want... Um, the feds want like $7 million for Martin Shkreli. Um, and in the affidavit filed by special agent Sean Sweeney, the uh, $7 million uh, would come from, he has about $5 million in an E-Trade account. It would be Who the- still uses E-Trade? Apparently Martin Shkreli does. Okay. <laughs> um, $5 million in an E-Trade account and uh, all of the proceeds derived from the sale of the Wu-Tang Clan album, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin, uh. and <laughs> as well as any proceeds derived from the sale of the Carter 5 by Lil Wayne, an Enigma machine, a code-breaking machine, and a Picasso painting. I... Did Lil Wayne produce an album that only Martin Shkreli owns? Yep, apparently so. So it's oh. not just the Wu-Tang Clan. But the feds are basically saying that um, the sh- the money, even though the people who invested with Shakrelli were not actually monetarily damaged because they got their funds back, yeah. uh, the government is saying that um, he should be forced to forfeit uh, this money because it was partially uh, like ill-gotten gains exactly. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't feel I, this is not the same as civil forfeiture, which seems like super problematic mm-hmm. to me. Um, so I don't feel that bad for Martin Shkreli having to give up things that he bought with the proceeds of like a criminal enterprise. Is mm-hmm. he, he's in jail now, right? Yeah. He was bail revoked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been there since September. It's been a long time. Yeah, and it's been kind of quiet. Like there's haven't been reports that he's either getting into fights or someone shoved him or anything. Maybe he's like in that. like ADSEG or something. Maybe. That's which a- is a term meaning administrative <laughs> segregation, which I learned from watching, I think, Oz um, on HBO. Very graphic but wonderful prison show. <laughs> um, and I am most familiar with that term because a former colleague of ours used to watch uh, Locked Up. Oh, right. With his young daughter. <laughs> that was their That daughter. happened. That's a real thing that happened. <laughs> That's right. That was their daddy and daughter time. <laughs> um, on Orange is the New Black, they call it the shoe. I can't remember. I think it's because it's SHU stands for something, oh, but I can't mm-hmm. remember what that is. Um, segregated housing unit, maybe? Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so maybe he's in like some kind of solitary confinement, which if I had, if I were him and had to be alone with my thoughts for 23 hours a day, I don't, I don't think I would do well. But, I mean, he loves himself, so. He might actually be <laughs> fine. So, yeah, I was really shocked by the Lil Wayne album. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. And the fact that he has an Enigma code-breaking machine. That seems real weird. Yeah. 
Um, his lawyers have said that um, you know he shouldn't have to forfeit anything because none of the investors lost any money, and he did not personally benefit from any of the counts of his conviction. I mean, because he was only convicted on a narrow number right. of charges. He was charged with many, so uh, they don't think that forfeiture is the appropriate remedy. Uh, but anyways, we'll see how that goes. The motion was just filed a couple of days ago. Things move kind of slowly in federal courts anyway, so... And it's the holidays. Right. You had something that you wanted to talk about. Right. So, um, this is not a legal injustice, more a societal injustice that I wanted to use my platform today to talk about and, uh, make you all listen to me complain. Blake Shelton was selected as People's Sexiest Man of the Year, and I know I am late to the party on this, um, or Sexiest Man Alive, which, as just as a concept, doesn't make sense, because, like, George Clooney and Brad Pitt, they were all Sexiest Man Alives. They're still alive. <laughs> what? I don't understand, but that aside, no, Blake Shelton. <laughs> just no. And it makes me really happy that, uh, I mean, in a sad and depressing way that the majority of the reactions I've seen to Blake Shelton being selected as sexiest man alive are to list the ways in which he is not sexy. Um, so that does make me feel better, but I feel like, uh, Idris Elba until he, as long as Idris Elba exists in the world, he should be the sexiest man alive. As long as he's alive. Right. Um, Herschel Ali was also a popular pick on Twitter as the actual sexiest man alive. So either one of those would be fine with me. I just, this is ludicrous. Um, Look at Blake Shelton's pasty-ass Oklahoma <laughs> face. No. <laughs> um, so I think one of the things that uh, when we were talking about this, I went through the history of People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, and their choices aren't exactly... They're I, very, like, safe. I don't even know if they're... No. I mean, granted, some of these things, I don't remember the context, but, like, Mark Harmon, yeah, Harry that's Hamlin... Weird. Harry Hamlin was really famous in the 80s, though. Was, yeah, I mean, he was really famous, so is that really, like, the bar? I wonder if, unlike with the Time Magazine Person of the Year, uh, <laughs> becoming People's Sexiest Man Alive really is dependent on doing a photo shoot and having an interview. Yeah, I mean, like, Johnny Depp has been, a number of times, Hugh Jackman, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, George Clooney... Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, these are all bad choices yeah, now that I'm, look, as you're flipping through yeah. these. Maybe not Pierce Brosnan, but, uh, I mean, if you're going to pick a Pierce Brosnan type, pick Liam Neeson. Yeah. Hello. Harrison Ford. Um, well, Denzel Washington. Yeah. He gets a pass. Um, Richard Gere. Nick Nolte. When you saw the Nick Nolte I know. Picture. I actually thought it was Gary Busey. It was like, what is this? Patrick Swayze. I mean, I'm just not... I don't think the sexiest man alive really means anything. That's, I guess, my true. Point. They also picked Julia Roberts as the world's most beautiful woman this year, which uh, just seems ludicrous also to me. No offense to Julia Roberts, but, like, of all of the women in the world, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just to sell a magazine. That's true. I, mean, I guess Blake Shelton has appeal in the middle of the country. I definitely think less of Gwen Stefani now that she's dating him, and I know that's sexist, but I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't really know where Blake Shelton has appeal. Like, he just seems very bland to me. I don't watch his show. I don't really know anything about him. He seems like a perfectly nice human being. He, um, I think, had some racist tweets. Oh, sweet. That he Great. got caught. I mean, not like 
Thanks, Blake Shelton, for making me Like, on the spectrum of racism, they could have been a lot worse, but they were bad. Uh, But he also, when he got caught, well, when they were discovered, his um, explanation was pretty terrible. So that was another disappointing thing about him. I also don't really enjoy his music. Mm -hmm. So just lots of problematic things about Blake Shelton. But uh, anyway. Yeah. That's Blake Shelton, injustice waged against (laughs) women and gay men in society, I guess. (laughs) Uh, and so the last item uh, for today's three-minute warning that has gone like seven minutes now is our reality TV stoop. A quick update on a fascinating case <laughs> from the Real Housewives of New Jersey franchise. I think we've talked about the um, Judice Judice family in prior <laughs> episodes. Um, as a little bit of background, Teresa Judice, she changed the pronunciation of her last name in the middle of the series, so that's why I am making jokes about how it is said uh she i I think it was in 2015 um 2014 she and her husband joe were convicted of a variety of charges related to fraudulent bankruptcy filings um teresa then spent 11 months in federal prison on those charges the judge uh, who is overseeing the two cases or the case that they were both defendants in, uh, allowed Joe Judice, who was sentenced to 41 months in prison, to stay out of jail while Teresa was in jail because they have four kids, and so the children would not be without either parent um, for a stretch of time. So Teresa gets out of jail. Joe goes in. He's currently, he was serving out his sentence at the prison at Fort Dix in um, southern New Jersey, which I think is pretty close to where uh, his family lives, but he has uh, now applied for and is in the process of being transferred to a different federal prison um, because he is seeking to go before an immigration judge. Joe Judice is not an American citizen. He was born in Italy. He came to this country, I think, when he was pretty young, um, but never got his citizenship here. Uh, So part of the problem with him being convicted of bankruptcy fraud is that he could be deported once he gets out of jail. Um, The immediate problem he's having is um, Joe is an admitted alcoholic, um, and apparently he could be in a program that would allow him to get out of jail sooner. It's like a residential program. Mm -hmm. Um, But because of his immigration status and the fact that he is, this is the term used under the law, a deportable alien, um, he's not allowed to participate in that program. So he's trying to uh, fight that in the courts. The jail he's in, in Southern Jersey, doesn't have an immigration court, doesn't allow their um, inmates to go before an immigration law judge. So he's in the midst of being transferred to a prison in Pennsylvania. Um, according to most recent reports, he's in like a holding at a jail in Brooklyn. Oh, um, and I guess he'll eventually be moved to the um, the prison in Pennsylvania. How much longer does he have on his sentence? He sh- is set to be released in March of 2019. Oh, okay. so a little over um, a year? No, two years? A year and a half? A year and a half. Yeah, um, which I feel like that does not seem like 41 months. Well, but you said that she went to jail in 20... Did she go to jail in 2015? Or was it 2016? So, I mean, in 42 months is like less than four years. Yeah, so he was sentenced... They were both sentenced in October of 2014, 
My recollection from watching the show is that she went into prison right after the holidays that year and then got out right in time for Christmas last year. Yeah, so he's been in jail since December-ish of 2015, so it'll be two years, like, this month. Yeah. Um, So, that's Joe Judice's story. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him after he gets out of prison, um, if he gets sent back to uh, Italy. Mm -hmm. His wife is a very public Donald Trump supporter, so I'm sure the president, who seems to have nothing better to do than to interfere in small, seemingly small issues like this, you know, may step up to help Juicy Joe out, but... Uh, and then demand that he be thankful for it. No, he wouldn't do that because Joe Judas is white, so... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I totally forgot about that part. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, we never got to talk about <laughs> LiAngelo Ball nope. and the big LeVar, Donald Trump yeah. uh, Twitter fight. All I can say is I don't ever feel comfortable being on LeVar Ball's side of any argument, but um, he was definitely, I mean, he's still an asshole, but he was right here. So Yeah, uh, it's, it's a very uncomfortable place to be. <laughs> it's, it's awkward, and probably those kids were never going to see the inside of a Chinese jail or prison, so... Most likely not. I mean, and I'm sh- I'm hoping that it did, you know, scare them a bit. I mean, because you yeah. shouldn't be shoplifting in a foreign country. How dumb are you to do yeah. that? Especially- you shouldn't be shoplifting, period, but you definitely shouldn't be shoplifting in a foreign country. Especially if they never seen locked up abroad. <laughs> no. <laughs> or broke down palace. Exactly. I mean, especially in a country like China. Come on now. Yeah. Whose human rights records probably spotty at best. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. It seems like a really bad decision on the part of those three young men, mm-hmm. but they're back here. They thanked the president. Yes, uh, and then Levar Ball, of course, couldn't help himself. And... Nope, he could not. Um, so that's it from us yeah. on in a post Thanksgiving episode. I'm sure we will be back with you again before Christmas. Yep. So if you want to um, follow us on social media, our Twitter and Instagram handles are UFR underscore BG. You can also um, check out our website under furtherreview.bg.com. No, dash bg.com. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I gotta get this right. <laughs> and uh, you can also email us at uh, under furtherreview.bg at gmail.com. Um, and we appreciate um, any reviews on iTunes. We understand that um, people have been having difficulties writing reviews, even though like stars uh, can be posted. Um, so just keep at it. We really don't know what's behind this. We haven't talked to our administrative engineer in a while. He's still in high school. He's doing college <laughs> tours now, so That's he's right. a little busy. <laughs> um, so hopefully we will figure that out and um, let you find people rate us on iTunes. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for listening and we will be back with you hopefully next week. Bye. Bye.